0: ¡Gracias! Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox Starks. Hey guys, I hope that you're doing really well in this moment, in time and space, wherever on the globe you might find your face. (laughs) I hope you're doing well, and I hope sometime in the next seven days you find something you can do that's really nice for somebody you know or somebody you don't know, a random act of kindness. And also, you find something nice to do for yourself. So maybe you want to take a random stranger out for ice cream. Or maybe you want to bring ice cream to somebody out on the street. That's always fun. I love doing that one. Uh, But maybe, maybe it's time to buy a shirt you've had your eye on or a wallet or a bottle of perfume or maybe just buy your favorite rum and your favorite ice cream and, and watch your favorite movie, but make sure you have candles, something romantic. Even if you're alone, I love to have candles burning. I like having a nice ambiance. You know, I don't feel that romance is only good when there's a romantic relationship. I don't believe that. I feel like we should create, create our own romance for ourselves and our own joy and happiness for ourselves. And it's better to take pleasure in the smallest of things than to wait and save up for years and years and years to then take pleasure in one thing, like a vacation or something. I feel like it's better to do something nice for yourself every week, you know, even if it's something small. Maybe splurge on your favorite candy bar. Maybe, you know, normally... You know, candy bars are like a dollar, but maybe there's like a three or four or $5 candy bar that you haven't been able to justify buying, but maybe this is the time. Try it. Why not? It's probably healthy for you. Usually the organic chocolate that has, you know, 75% or more or 70% or more a cacao, it's really good. The antioxidants are good for you. You know, plus the release of endorphins. woo So just do something nice for yourself if you can and something nice for someone else. You know, make it a point. You know, reward yourself for doing something nice for someone else first. I think that's the best way. So um, I'm going to ask for quick prayers for the country of Chile. They are embroiled right now in riots. I'm not going to go into too much detail here with this, but they raised the price of the metro ticket and that was... It was the straw that broke the camel's back. I believe it's another IMF situation. I believe that they got a loan from the International Monetary Fund. And the same exact thing that's happening here or happened here in Ecuador. You know, it's been Ecuador, Bolivia, and now Chile. A lot of countries in South America have been seeing riots and it's, it's scary, it's creepy. It's like, and even in Lebanon, and you know, I can't believe Lebanon is, you know, they've been having riots. My friend wrote to me from Beirut and he said, you know, we just don't have enough food for the people. There's not enough uh, supplies. We're okay for right now, but we're scared. Our government acts like they just don't care about us and we don't know what's gonna happen. And I'm just like, Oh my God, Habibi, please be careful. You know, he's like been my friend for almost 10 years. We've been writing, you know, just corresponding through emails and Facebook messenger and over Skype and everything. And he's like my really good friend. And I just feel so bad. And it's nice to know people in these areas though, because then you can kind of get a feel for what the news is saying. And then, you know, what the governments are telling the news to say. And what the actual people, what their perception is. So I don't know, Lebanon, Chile. In fact, I'm going to write to my friend in Chile. Actually, he is the artist who designed one of my tattoos and he's really young. He's, he's like, um, he started when he was 18. I think he was like 19 or 20 when he first, I think he was 20 when he first gave me my tattoo. So he's probably like 22 years old now. And his art is absolutely phenomenal. In fact, I saw him in the hostel drawing his art and, and I just went up to him. And I'm like, so are you a tattoo artist? Cause that looks like a tattoo style art. He goes, Yeah, I make my own, you know, designs, but usually people already know what they want when they come to me. I'm like, Well, can you give me a tattoo of your own art? And he was so he was like almost in tears. He couldn't believe someone would ask him that. And I told him exactly what I wanted, but I said, I want it to be your design. So this is like the theme, but I want your design. And he was really grateful. He's like, I can't believe it. And I wanted a teeny tiny tattoo (laughs) and it's like enormous, but it's beautiful. So I don't mind. And every time I see it, I think of him. So I'm going to have to contact him because he lives in Santiago. He's a tattoo artist down there and then he travels all over when he he gets up a little bit of money and he starts traveling and then he does tattoos in different cities. I'm like, that's such a cool thing. So he's got a network of tattoo shops where he just goes and visits. So hopefully he's not in the country right now, but I'm going to have to look, I'm going to have to talk to him. And if I get new information that has nothing to do with what the news is saying from him directly, I will let you guys know. But it looks like the military is shooting old people and children. They're literally shooting the people, like killing them, shooting them, not like with rubber bullets, but they just aren't having any of it with the riots. They're just like, whatever, and they're just hurting people. So, I don't know. Let's just pray for Chile. Let's pray for the whole world. The whole world is on fire right now. I had a dream, that you guys, the other day. This is such a crazy dream. I had a dream that I lived on a private island that my kids and I bought a little parcel on this private island. And there was maybe 12 people living on the island. We all had a pretty big, like a sizable chunk of land. But we had like a town center, you know, for like, you know, all 15 of us or whatever. It's like 12 or 15 people. I think it's like with the kids and I, it was, it was 15 of us. And so we were, um, we were just... uh having a very peaceful, very uneventful life. We grew our own food, and every now and again, we would take a boat to the mainland. And I think it was off the coast of Ecuador in my dream. And we just, um, we're sitting, my kids and I were sitting on the shore. We're letting the ocean water come up and lap at our feet in the evening right before the sun went down or just enjoying life, you know, in the dream. And then we were looking at this outcropping of rocks that was maybe 100 yards off of the island that we were living on. And my oldest said, you know, I never noticed it before, but that rock looks like the very tip of a volcano. And I said, you know, it's not a volcano as far as I know, but it sure does, doesn't it? That's weird. I never thought about that either way. I was watched it and looked at this rock formation but I never thought about And My youngest is like, you know Mom, I bet that is a volcano. I'm like, oh my God, you know what? That's very possible, actually, very, very likely. And when we were just sitting there about 10 minutes later, um, smoke started to come out of the rock and it cracked a little bit and red hot molten lava started um, like shooting out, like just violently. And we were like, oh, my God, you know, if it starts getting a little bit more active, we're going to have to leave to the other side of the island. And as we sat there, the whole thing um, opened up a little bit more. And then it just imploded in on itself. And it just sunk into the ocean, the whole rock formation just gone in like five minutes. And all this steam was coming up like there was an under volcanic explosion in the ocean. I don't know if it's a venting dream only because that doesn't make a lot of sense since I don't live on an island and I don't live in near, thank you God, not near any volcanoes that would affect us where we are. The nearest one is like 100 miles away and they don't normally, you know, affect an area bigger than that. So I've been thinking about this kind of stuff though, like on and off, like. but I've been only contemplating it far away from us and my, my oldest doesn't live with me anymore so probably I mean, it's like extremely unlikely for this to happen I told my youngest and he said no mom this is why I was telling you that even though it would be nice to have a beach house I don't think we should ever ever buy property on the coast in any country and I, I have to agree with them. and the way that things have been so volatile with the forest fires everywhere the volcanoes are going off all of the uh Things exploding in the sky. And the fact that we've reached a tipping point as far as carbon emissions and, you know, almost 300 fires burning in the United States right now, that's not helping anybody. That's not helping the air. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of it other than I know we're in the fifth dimension. Obviously, we're still on the hunt. We're 100 on this scale because we're there. We're here. We're anchored in. And... Maybe we could put out the fires with our minds if we imagine a bunch of rain, maybe. I don't know what to do about it. You know, if it's necessary. I don't think at this point it's as necessary as it was before for cleansing. I mean, there's just so much fire. (laughs) There's just like so much of it. But we have entered a... Phase, I think it's new moon. I'm gonna look this up. I think we're like we're a new moon in um well the sun has entered Scorpio now. Say astrology. New moon. I'm gonna look that up. So I wanna make sure. I think it's a I don't know what the moon itself is in, but the sun sign now is Scorpio. No, it's new moon in Scorpio. So let's see. I thought it was a new moon, Scorpio. (laughs) It's so weird. Um, So, yeah, the moon sign. That's so dumb. It just says... Okay, here we go. How the new moon will affect you. So, we are in the area of Scorpio as far as where the sun is, too, right? I mean, this is... Libra goes into Scorpio, I'm pretty sure. I looked this stuff up earlier, like in the last few days, and then totally forgot, you know, just like, I've been sleeping really, really, really deep lately, and I've been feeling like my body is regenerating and renewing itself. I'm waking up feeling a little bit thinner, a little bit healthier every day, my hair is absolutely going back to its original color. I'm still having patches of white but of in my hair, but it's not like it was. I woke up really early this morning at 7 in the morning, and I opened up my window, and I just sat in the sun. The sun came right in to the the third bedroom, and I just sat on the bed there, and I just enjoyed and basked in the sun for like three minutes and then went back to bed. <laughs> like my vitamin D uh, and then I'm good. So I'm getting like little freckles now. It's so awesome. All right, let's see. Um, So Scorpio, as you know, is all about transformations, which is exactly what's happening right now around the world with the evolution that's happening through the revolutions, basically. You know, they say the revolution won't be televised, but kind of is. (laughs) It's not really being televised. It's actually being shown on... YouTube (laughs) so something else I wanted to say about this um, we the uh, mercury just went retrograde (laughs) mercury just went retrograde so damn I think let me see I'm gonna look that up because you know see mercury retrograde 2019 There was like a bunch of events at at once. So I love that. The Mercury retrograde calendar on astrology, horoscope readings. I don't like the horoscope thing so much because it's usually not exactly what's going on with you. You know, it doesn't really work for anybody. Um, March, April. This is like, so why are they showing only the. All right, here we go. So the shadow period of Mercury retrograde started the 11th through the 26th. And then... Okay, so Mercury actually goes retrograde on Halloween. That's what I was going to make, I thought. So the shadow period is going... For people who are really super affected by it over the last three weeks, it's been kind of, you know, affecting us a little bit, I guess, with electronics and whatever. I haven't noticed it too much. But for sure, it's going to affect everybody starting tonight through Halloween. And then on Halloween, it's absolutely going to be completely retrograde. And it doesn't come back until the 20th of November. It says a direct station occurs... On November 20th, oh my god, that'd be exactly 3 years from the day I moved to this country and exactly 9 years since my husband died. On that day. That's so weird. But so it so Rick is direct on that day. And the post shadow ends December 7th, my first husband's birthday. It's all so cosmic this time, at least as far as I'm concerned, you know, with my personal reference dates. So not, it's not, it's not, it's not um, retrograde yet, but it will be soon. So there you go. Um, What else? There was something else. that was something that I, oh yeah, the numbers issue, the numbers thing, where all the numbers. So I was watching a show today And my son came home and I paused it because he wanted to talk. He had been gone all day and um, we were going to have dinner together. So we paused it to talk about his day and then discuss dinner. And I paused it at 44 minutes and 49 seconds. So there's 444, but what was left? 4 minutes and 44 seconds, 444. So on the screen was 444 twice. So Then I started watch the show again and I paused it to ask him another question regarding like dinner and I paused it at five 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 nine and then on the other side it said three three three. So basically three three three, four 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 twice and then five 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 all like within one minute. Well, in 11 seconds. (laughs) One minute, 11 seconds, by the way, 111. So we've been having a lot of crazy synchronicities with that. I've had a lot of 33s come up still in the past 24 hours. And ever since we got anchored into the fifth dimension, for sure, this has happened to me every single day. I also find that as far as my life and my future and all that, I have been finding myself with a lot more positivity thinking things are definitely looking up. It's definitely going to happen. All the things I'm thinking about for my life. Um, a lot of the doubt and the worry and the fear and anxiety that I had before is gone. Um, every now and again, it crops up. but only lasts for like an hour or something, and then it's gone. So I feel that the energies are shifting pretty intense. Today, we had a lot of rain, but in the clouds, just white and gray clouds. There was not a lot of energy being bombarding us um unless I'm just not seeing it but I didn't really see a lot of extra in the last two days it's just been rain it's just been normal but it's been feeling really wonderful the energy to open up the window and have the smell of ozone that natural ozone with the negative ions in the air it's been really awesome I love that so it is what it is and um Even though, like, this week, none of my plans worked out. I've been sick still. And uh, now I'm not sick. I'm just, I've been tired. So I'm kind of getting over that. But when I sleep lately, man, it's so deep. Are you guys sleeping really deep? Like, either you're not able to sleep at all, but then when you finally do get to sleep, it's, like, deeper than ever with wild dreams. Like, living on an island with a thing collapsing, that was a wild dream for me. Like it felt so real and I woke up and I couldn't believe I wasn't on that island I mean where the people were like well let's go the other side of the island there were people on the other end of the island they were willing to let us live in their home if something happened to our half of the island I mean and we knew all these people their names I woke up going, I don't know these people (laughs) it felt so real and I think it was just a dream I don't think it was anything other than that it wasn't a dimensional thing or a timeline thing Yeah, my higher guidance says, no, not a timeline thing. I don't even know what that means. Just, is my island going to collapse? I don't know. But with the uh, Scorpio thing, the moon that's been in Scorpio lately, I feel like we need to not only focus on transformation, but also the shadow side. A lot of people have been mentioning that, and I already mentioned it a little bit this week, but... It's time to clear out the rest, you know, the remnants of the anxiety and the fear and the doubt and the worry. And also, if you feel anxiety every day and it doesn't really have a basis in reality because you're just, you know, if you're just sitting at home or you're at your work, but your work is mellow and you get along with everybody, but you're feeling an incredible amount of anxiety Um, There's two things that might be going on. One is you need to unravel your psoas muscle, P-S-O-A-S. This morning I woke up and I I stretched out my psoas muscle while I was still laying in bed. Didn't even open my eyes yet. I just did that. And I felt this rush of calm, beautiful, relaxing energy and no more anxiety, just gone. Woke up with anxiety, stretched it out. Bada boom, bada bing. It's over. It's gone. The other thing is um, we have almost been trained by society to call our anxiety um, uh, anxiety is oh it's bad it's anxiety it's stress it's this it's that but you know what a lot of it actually isn't bad a lot of it isn't really stress a lot of it is being anxious in a positive way about your future or about something that you're looking forward to and a lot of people will take that and they'll, they'll call it anxiety then they'll call it stress and then they make it a negative thing and sometimes it's just anticipate anticipatory energy where you're just like, I can't wait to do that thing. But then you feel that energy and someone says, I have anxiety and go, I do too. And then you kind of fall into that weird mindset where that's not really true. It's not what you're feeling, but you mislabel it and then you start feeling bad and then you like beat yourself up and then you give yourself real anxiety. So that's something that, um, a lot of people do it's a trap (coughs) so I want to mention that because I don't want you guys to fall in to the trap so let's see um I looked up sun sign and then it just it's like all general sun sign today I'll say of course I spelled today wrong to dat (laughs) Um, what the hell I looked that up and it says Ophiuchus the serpent bearer is one of the constellations in the Zodiac really I've never heard that once like oh my god what timeline did I hop to <laughs> the serpent bearer. Most people want to step on snakes. Like what? Like Sorry, snakes. I, I love snakes, but people don't, you know, <laughs> uh, they don't tend to love snakes in general. Um, I was just talking to my son about when we were in the jungle. I'm like, you know, I like went out of my way to, hold and hug a 10-foot anaconda and just loving it, giving it so much love. And then looking back, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Even if it was kind of used to being held by humans, those are really dangerous snakes. Like, what the hell was I thinking? And I wasn't afraid at the time and I'm like afraid afterwards. So, goodness gracious, finally, No. Uh, It's like, why can't I see what sign it is? Yeah, after Libra does come Scorpio, so we are in Scorpio now. Like, what the hell? Oh, finally. I I even had to look it up on Wikipedia towards the bottom of the page. Oh, my God. It's like forever to find this. Okay. So, yeah, on the 23rd of October, because I was confused because the moon's in Scorpio, and I'm like, wait, when I said the other day, though, I thought the sun was in Scorpio, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it was both all right and that is the brightest star when during Scorpio in the sky is Antares and if you have ever watched Out of This World from a long time ago you could find it on YouTube it was one of my favorite sitcoms it was witty and funny and the little girl that was the main the star of the show she was adorable and Donna Pescal I think everybody loves her but um and she's funny, so funny. But in the storyline, the the little girl's father is from Aunt Harry's, <laughs> and so they they can only talk through like a device. So it's kind of funny, like the whole the whole of the show. Like you never meet the dad; he's always like off doing whatever he does for his in his world with his people. Even though her parents got married. So strange, such a strange show, but all right. The brightest star in the sky right now is Antares. All right. So let's go to the Shimon resonance after I've flubbed up the whole astrology part of the evening, not being ready and all that, <laughs> but at least I've cleared up. So see, you know what? Actually that might be because of the shadow period of mercury retrograde. When you get confused about stuff like that, when you, mental confusion is something that you get through mercury retrograde Lack of communication or bad communication or miscommunications. Also problems with, um, there's a lot of, sometimes a lot of problems with communication devices such as your telephone or your computer, Skype, a um, lot of typo errors and you just can't do anything about it. And I've had, I mean, every time I type lately, I have three or four words that come up that has nothing to do with that, what I was trying to type. And then I try to do the the thing through the voice and the same thing. And the word infosonics comes up and replaces almost every word that I I type now. Infosonics. I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? So, um, but with both of my phones, not just with one. So I thought maybe it's a virus. What is that? The infosonic virus. Anyway, um, I don't know. It's just stuff is weird, man. But hey, I have green parrots across the street. You can't be mad in a world like that when you have beautiful parrots singing you good morning every morning. <laughs> They're very sweet. All right. They only have an evening report in Italy that says much the day was calm. The only activity reached a maximum of 25 amplitude, or its frequency, between 5 and 11 UTC time. And they had absolutely no gaps. In their actual chart today. Although their chart looks very weird. There's a lot of white pillars in the chart today, and then one huge blob that just started out of nowhere. Very weird. I don't know. Okay, Heart Mouth Institute. There's a really fun surprise in this one. Okay, at midnight. California time, they start off at 73 hertz frequency. And they stayed the same exact um, all the way through. um, In Hofuf, Saudi Arabia, they start off at 118 hertz frequency. By the end of the evening, they were at 116, just went down a little bit. And Lithuania started off at 172 hertz frequency at midnight. And they were at 169 by 4 a.m. And in Alberta, Canada, they started off at 138 hertz frequency on the Schumann resonance Scale. That's what we're doing here. Until 4 a.m. when they were at 133. In Northland, New Zealand, they start off at 72 and ended at 72. So that there was no change there. And this one is the one that just shocked me. Okay. In Hulului, South Africa, they started off at 335 Hertz frequency at midnight by 4 AM. They were at 373. 373. Oh, yeah. And look at Alberta, Canada, 133. That was again, master number 33 again. But 373 hertz frequency on the Shimon Resonance scale at 4 a.m. And it looks like it's still climbing. So we'll see how, how high it gets. I'll report that tomorrow. So crazy, man. So crazy. All right. Um, let's see. I forgot to cue this up again. (laughs) We are in Lesson 138 in A Course in Miracles. The Foundation for Inner Peace is found at ACIM.org. Or you could go and find your favorite colors scheme, because there's a lot of them. (laughs) A Course in Miracles are free, always free apps everywhere. So if you're interested in further study, you can do that. Okay, we're on lesson 138 and I love this one. Heaven is the decision I must make. Heaven is the decision I must make. In this world, heaven is a choice. Because here we believe that there are alternatives to choose between. We think that all things have an opposite and we and what we want, we choose. If heaven exists, there must be hell as well. For contradiction is the way we make what we perceive and what we think is real. Creation knows no opposite. But here the opposite part of being real. It is the strange perception of the truth that makes a choice of heaven seem to be the same as the relinquishment of hell. It's not really thus yet what is true when God's creation cannot enter here until it is reflected in some form the world can understand truth cannot come where it could only be perceived with fear for this would be the error truth can be brought to illusions opposition makes the truth unwelcome and it cannot come alright so it goes on and on let me see this is, this is another substantial lesson but it's only 12 paragraphs it says, Heaven is the decision I must make. I make it now and will not change my mind because it is the only thing I want. Well, there you have it. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, we are going to try to get through two lessons in Clairvoyance and the Occult by Swami Panchadasi. We're going to start with Lesson 11. This is Part 6 of this ancient book okay it's not ancient it's hundred years old it's like 102 or something anyway we're gonna be right back after these messages to learn more about clairvoyance of the past this week William Walter Atkinson is the real true identity of Swami Panchadasi as he lived on the East coast and was a lawyer. He did not really want anyone to know his secret identity or what he was interested in, but he was interested in this enough and studied this enough that he felt it necessary to make several, to write and publish several books under the pseudonym Swami Panchadasi. So, he even made it a point to talk about East versus West, even though he's from the West, so I thought that was pretty... I mean, I was fooled for a couple of weeks, but... Well, you don't know till you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> anyway, Clairvoyance and the Occult, we are on Lesson 11 tonight, and it starts off with Clairvoyance of the Past... The third great class of clairvoyant phenomena, known as time clairvoyance, is divided into two subclasses as follows. One, past time clairvoyance, and two, future time clairvoyance. The characteristics of each of these subclasses is indicated by its name past time clairvoyance is as indicated by the name (laughs) is that class of clairvoyant phenomena which is concerned with the perceptions of facts events and happenings of past time whether that happening is from five minutes ago or five thousand years ago the principles involved are precisely the same one is no more or less wonderful than is the other many students confess themselves perplexed when they're first confronted with this class of phenomena. While they find it comparatively easy to see how by astral vision, the clairvoyant is able to sense events happening at that moment, though thousands of miles away from the observer, they cannot at first understand how one can see a thing no longer in existence but which disappeared from sight thousands of years ago. Naturally, they ask to be informed how this is possible before proceeding to develop the faculty itself. Believing that this question is now being asked by you, the student of these lessons, I shall pause for a few moments and show you just how this wonderful thing becomes possible to the clairvoyant in the first place it would undoubtedly be impossible to perceive a thing even by astral vision if it had entirely disappeared at some time in the past this would be beyond all natural powers astral as well as physical but as a matter of fact the things of the past have not entirely disappeared but on the contrary while having disappeared on the physical plane, they still exist on the astral plane. I shall endeavor to explain this wonderful fact of nature to you in plain terms, although it belongs to one of the most mysterious classes of the occult, facts of the universe. In the occult teachings, we find many references to the Akashic records or what is sometimes called the records of the astral light. Without going into technical occult definitions and explanations, I will say to you that the gist of this occult teaching is that in the high form of the universal substance, which is called the universal ether, there is found to be recorded all the happenings of the entire world cycle of which the present time is a part cool all that has happened from the very beginning of this world cycle millions of years ago is preserved on these astral records and may be read by the advanced clairvoyant or other person possessing occult powers of this kind These records perish only with the termination of a world cycle, which will not happen for millions of years yet to come. To those who cannot accept the reasonableness of this occult fact, I would say that there are analogies to be found on other planes of natural manifestation. For instance, as astronomy teaches us, a star may be blotted out of existence and yet its light will persist long after, perhaps until the end of world time, traveling along at the rate of 186,000 miles every second. The light that we now see coming from the distant stars has left those stars many years ago, in some cases thousands of years ago. We see them not as they are now, but as they were at the time the ray of light left them. Many years ago. The astronomers inform us that if one of these stars had been. Okay, now this is confusing. It says in parentheses, it says transcribers' notes, text missing from original. And then it says sans parentheses. All right, so there's like a couple words missing. So I guess it says, let me guess at this. The astronomers, I'll use clairvoyance to guess what it says. <laughs> the astronomers inform us that if one of these stars had been uh, killed off thousands of years ago, <laughs> we would still see it as in actual existence. Okay, literally, I'm just guessing there. In fact, it is believed that some of these stars, which we see twinkling at night, have been actually blotted out hundreds of years ago. We will not be aware of this fact until the light rays suddenly cease to reach us after their journey of billions of miles and hundreds of years. A star blotted out of existence today would be seen by our children and our children's children. The heat from a stove will be felt in a room long after the stove has been removed from it. A room will long contain the odor of something that has been removed from it. It is said that in one of the old mosques of Persia, there may be perceived the faint odor of the musk that was exposed there hundreds of years ago. The walls are saturated with the pungent odor. Again, is it not wonderful that our memories preserve the images of the sounds and forms which they were placed there perhaps 50 years or more ago? How do these memory images survive and exist? Though we may have thought of a past thing for half a lifetime, yet suddenly its image flashes into our consciousness. Surely this is as wonderful as the Akashic records, though its commonness makes it lose its wonderful appearance to us. Camille Flammarion, the eminent French astronomer, in a book written over 25 years ago, (laughs) more like 127 years ago, (laughs) which is now out of print, I believe, pictured a possible condition of affairs in which a disembodied soul would be able to perceive events that happened in the past by simply taking a position in space in which he would be able to catch the light waves that emanated from a distant planet at that particular time in the past, the happenings of which he wanted to perceive. The little book was called Lumen, L-U-M-E-N. I advise you read it if you can find it in your public libraries. So again, that's Lumen by Camille Flammarion, F-L-A-M-M-A-R-I-O-N. Another writer has written somewhat along the same lines. I herewith give you a quotation from him that you may get the idea he wishes to express. It will help you in your conception of the Akashic Records. He says, when we see anything, whether it be a book we hold in our hands or a star millions of miles away, we do so by means of a vibration in the ether, commonly called a ray of light, which passes from the object seen to our eyes. Now, the speed with which the vibration passes is so great, like 186,000 miles per second, that when we are considering any object in our own world, we may regard it as practically instantaneous. When however we come to deal with the interplanetary distances we have to take the speed of light into consideration for an appreciable period is occupied in traversing these vast spaces. For example it takes 8 minutes and a quarter for light to travel to us from the sun so that when we look at the solar orb we see it by means of a ray of light which left it more than 8 minutes ago. From this follows a very curious result. The ray of light by which we see the sun can obviously report to us only the state of affairs which existed in that luminary when it started on its journey and would not be in the least affected by anything that happened after it left. So that we really see the sun not as it is but as it was eight minutes ago. That is to say that if anything important took place on the sun, the formation of a new sunspot, for instance, an astronomer who was watching the orb through his telescope at the time would be unaware of the incidents, incident while it was happening, since the ray of light bearing the news would not reach him until more than eight minutes later. The difference is more striking when we consider the fixed stars because in their case, the distances are so enormously greater. The pole star, for example, is so far off that the light traveling at the inconceivable speed above mentioned takes a little more than 50 years to reach our eyes. And from that follows the strange but inevitable inference that we see the pole star, not as or where it is at this moment, but as and where it was 50 years ago. Nay, if tomorrow some cosmic catastrophe were to shatter the pole star into fragments, we should still see it peacefully shining in the sky all the rest of our lives. Our children would grow up to middle age and gather their children about them in turn before the news of that tremendous accident reached any terrestrial eye. In the same way, there are other stars so far distant that light takes thousands of years to travel from them to us, and with reference to their condition, our information is therefore thousands of years behind time. Now carry the argument a step further. Suppose that we were able to place a man at the distance of 186,000 miles from the earth and yet endow him with the wonderful faculty of being able from that distance to see what was happening here as clearly as though he were still close beside us. It is evident that a man so placed would see everything a second after the time it really happened, and so at the present moment he would be seeing what happened a second ago, double that distance, and he would be two seconds behind time, and so on. Remove him to the distance of the sun, still allowing him to preserve the same mysterious power of sight. And he would be able to look down and watch you doing not what you're doing now, but what you were doing eight minutes and a quarter ago. Carry him to the pole star and he would see passing before his eyes the events of 50 years ago. He would be watching the childish gambols of those who at the same moment were really middle-aged men. Marvelous as this may sound, It is literally and scientifically true, and cannot be denied. Flammarion, in his story called Lumen, makes a spirit hero pass at will along the ray of light from the earth, seeing the things of different eras of earth time. He made, he even made him travel backward along that ray, thus seeing the happenings in reverse order, as in a moving picture running backwards. The story is of greatest interest to the occultist, for while the Akashic records are not the same as the light records, yet the analogy is so marked in many ways that the occultist sees here another exemplification of the old occult axiom, as above, so below. As below, so above. I take the liberty of quoting here from my little book, The Astral World, in order to give you some further idea of the nature of these records in the astral light. The reader is supposed to be traveling in his astral body, having the phenomena of the astral pointed out to him by a competent occultist acting as his guide. The occultist guide says to the student, Changing our vibrations, we find ourselves entering a strange region, the nature of which you at first fail to discern. Pausing a moment until your astral vision becomes attuned to the peculiar vibrations of this region, you will find that you are becoming gradually aware of what may be called an immense picture gallery, spreading out in all directions and apparently bearing a direct relation to every point of space on the surface of the earth. At first, you find it difficult to decipher the meaning of this great array of pictures. The trouble arises from the fact that they are arranged not one after the other in sequence on a flat plane, but rather in sequence, one after another in a peculiar order, that, which may be called the order of X-ness in space, because it is neither the dimension of length, breadth, or depth. It is practically the order of the fourth dimension in space, which cannot be described in terms of ordinary spatial dimension. Again, you find upon closely examining the pictures that they are very minute, practically microscopic in size, and require the use of the peculiar magnifying power of astral vision to bring them up to a size capable of being recognized by your faculty of visual recognition. The astral vision, when developed, is capable of magnifying any object, material or astral, to an enormous degree. For instance, the trained occultist is able to perceive the whirling atoms and corpuscles of matter by means of this peculiarity, peculiarity, I cannot say this word, peculiarity, there it is, of astral vision. Likewise, he is able to plainly perceive many fine vibrations of light which are invisible to the ordinary sight. In fact, the peculiar astral light which pervades this region is due to the power of the astral vision to perceive and register these fine vibrations of light. Bring this power of magnifying into operation and you will see that each of the little points and details of the great world picture so spread before you in the astral light is really a complete scene of a certain place on earth at a certain period in the history of the earth it resembles one of the small views in a series of moving pictures a single view of a roll of film it is fixed not in motion And yet we can move forward along the fourth dimension and thus obtain a moving picture of the history of any point on the surface of the earth, or even combine the various points into a large moving picture in the same way. Let us prove this by actual experiment. (laughs) Close your eyes for a moment while we travel back in time so to speak along the series of these astral records for indeed they travel back to the beginning of the history of the earth now open your eyes looking around you you perceive the pictured representation of strange scenes filled with persons wearing a peculiar garb but all is still no life no motion Now let us move forward in time at a much higher rate than that in which the astral views were registered. You now see flying before you the great movement, the great movement of life on a certain point of space in a far distant age. From birth to death, you see the life of these strange people all in the space of a few moments. Great battles are fought. Cities rise before your eyes all in a great moving picture flying at tremendous speed. Now stop, and then let us move backwards in time, still gazing at the moving pictures. You see a strange sight, like that of reversing the film in a moving picture. You see everything moving backward, cities crumbling into nothingness, men arising from their graves, and growing younger each second until they are finally born as babies everything moving backward in time instead of forward you can thus witness any great historical event or follow the career of any great personage from birth to death or backward you will notice moreover that everything is semi-transparent and that accordingly you can see the picture of what is going on inside of buildings as well as outside of them <clears throat> nothing escapes the astral light records. Nothing can be concealed from it. By traveling to any point in time on the fourth dimension, you may begin at that point to see a moving picture of the history of any part of the earth from that time to the present, or you may reverse the sequence by traveling backward, as we have seen. You may also travel in the astral and on ordinary space dimensions, and thus see what happens simultaneously all over the earth at any special moment of past time, if you wish. Now, I do not for a moment wish you to understand that the above experience is possible to every clairvoyant who is able to sense past time events and happenings. On the contrary, the above experience is possible only to the advanced occultist, occultist, or to the student whom he may take with him on an astral trip in the astral body. The clairvoyant merely catches glimpses of certain phases and fields of the great astral record region or state. For that matter, the ordinary clairvoyant merely sees a reflection of the true astral light pictures, a reflection similar to that of a landscape reflected in a pond. Moreover, this reflection may be, and frequently is, disturbed as if by the ripples and waves of the pond in which the landscape is reflected. But still, even the ordinary clairvoyant is able to secure results which are wonderful enough in all truth and which far transcend the power of the person functioning on the physical plane alone. (coughs) Past-time clairvoyance is frequently induced by means of psychometry, in which the clairvoyant is able to have the loose end to unwind the ball of time. (laughs) But still in some cases, the clairvoyant is able to get on rapport with the astral records of past time by the ordinary methods of meditation. The main obstacle in the last mentioned case is the difficulty of coming in contact with the exact period of past time sought for, In psychometry, the vibrations of the associated object supplies the missing link. Lacking the associated object, the clairvoyant may obtain the link by bringing into the imagination some associated scene of that time, something else that happened about the same time. All that is needed is to get hold of something associated in space or in time with the sought-for scene. All that is needed is the loose end of association. Sometimes a clairvoyant senses some past time experience, the place and time of which is unknown to him. In such cases, it's necessary for him to get hold of some loose end by which he may work out the solution. For instance, a picture of a certain building or personage or historical happening may give the key to the mystery. in very high forms of past-time clairvoyance. The clairvoyant is able not only to perceive the actual happenings of the past, but also to actually sense the thought and feelings of the actors therein. For these two are recorded on the astral plane. In other cases, the clairvoyant person is able to picture scenes and happenings relating to his past incarnations, even though he is not able to sense other past-time events and scenes. But here again, many good past time clairvoyants are not able to catch these glimpses of their own past lives, though able to perceive those of other persons. All these variations are due to certain technical differences, into which I cannot go into detail at this place. Again, some persons are able to perceive events that have happened to persons present before them, but are not able to contact past time events in the ordinary way. There are a thousand and one variations in clairvoyant work. Only the highly advanced occultist is able to master all of them. But still, everyone may develop himself or herself from humble beginnings. In concluding this lesson, I wish to call your attention to the following advice from a man well advanced in the knowledge of the astral plane. He says, It would be well for all students to bear in mind that occultism is the apotheosis of common sense and that every vision that comes to them is not necessarily a picture from the Akashic Records nor every experience a a revelation from on high. It is far better to err on the side of healthy skepticism than of over credulity and it is an admirable rule never to hunt about for an occult explanation of anything when a plain and obvious physical one is available our duty is to endeavor to keep our balance always and never to lose our self-control but to take a reasonable common sense view of whatever may happen to us so that we may be wiser occultists and more useful helpers we have ever seen than we have ever been before we find examples of all degrees of the power to see into this memory of nature from the trained man who can consult the records for himself at will down to the person who gets nothing but occasional vague glimpses or has perhaps had only one such glimpse but even the man who possesses the faculty only partially and occasionally still finds it of the deepest interest the psychometer who needs an object physically to connected with the past in order to bring it all into life again around him and the crystal gazer who can sometimes direct his less certain astral telescope to some historical scene of long ago may both derive the greatest enjoyment from the exercise of their respective gifts even though They may not always understand exactly how the results are obtained and may not have them fully under control under all circumstances. In many cases of the lower manifestations of these powers, we find that they are exercised unconsciously. Many a crystal gazer watches scenes from the past without being able to distinguish them from visions of the present And many a vague psychic person finds pictures constantly arising before his eyes without ever realizing that he is in effect psychometrizing the various objects around him as he happens to touch them or stand near them. An interesting variant of this class of psychics is the man who is able to psychometrize persons only and not inanimate objects as is more usual. In most cases, this faculty shows itself erratically so that such a psychic will, when introduced to a stranger, often see in a flash some prominent event in that stranger's earlier life, but on similar occasions will receive no special impression. More rarely we meet with someone who gets detailed visions of the past life of nearly everyone whom he encounters. It may easily happen moreover that a person may see a picture of the past without recognizing it as such unless there happens to be in it something which attracts special attention such as a figure in armor or antique costume. It's probable therefore that occasional glimpses of these astral reflections of the Akashic Records are commoner than the published accounts would lead us to believe. I would say to my students make haste Slowly, do not try to rush development too rapidly. Perfect and develop yourself in one line of psychic power before seeking another. Take things coolly and do not lose your head because you happen to achieve some wonderful phenomena. Do not become conceited and vainglorious. And finally, do not prostitute your powers to ignoble ends and make a cheap show of them By cheapening and prostituting the higher psychic powers, the student frequently ends by losing them altogether. Moderation in all things is the safest policy, and it always is well for the occultist to resist temptation to use his powers for unworthy, sensational, or purely selfish purposes. All right. Lesson 12, Clairvoyance of the Future. Future time clairvoyance, as indicated by its name, is that class of clairvoyant phenomena which is concerned with the perception of facts, events, and happenings of future time. In this class of clairvoyant phenomena naturally fall all genuine cases of prophecy, prevision, foretelling, second sight, etc. History, theological and secular, is filled with instances of the foretelling of the future by prophets, wise men, and others. By many such powers are generally regarded as supernatural or divine without wishing to combat such theories and beliefs. I would say that the advanced occultists account for all such phenomena under the general laws of clairvoyance. But while the phenomena itself is very well known and is accepted as genuine in even many cases in which pastime clairvoyance is doubted, Still, it is even more difficult to explain than is pastime clairvoyance based on the Akashic Records or the astral light. To the person not well versed in occult knowledge and esoteric principles, it is deemed impossible to intelligently account for the perception of an event before it's actually happened, perhaps years before it's actual happening. While I cannot hope to make this matter absolutely clear to the person who is not an advanced student of occultism, still I shall try to throw at least some light on the underlying principles of this wonderful class of occult phenomena. The main point for the student to realize that there are natural laws underlying this phenomenon and that it is not a matter of supernatural power or necessarily of divine special dispensation. In the first place, in some of the simpler forms of future time clairvoyance, there's merely a high development of subconscious reasoning from analogy. That is to say, the subconscious mental faculties of the person reason out that such and so being the case, then it follows that so-and-so will result unless something entirely unexpected should prevent or intervene. This is merely an extension of certain forms of reasoning, which, well, that we perform ordinarily. For instance, we see a child playing with a sharp tool. We naturally reason that it will cut itself. It. We're calling children it now. Well, hundred years ago. We'll say it. We will naturally reason that he or she will cut he, him or herself. <sighs> we see a man acting in certain ways, which generally lead to certain ends, and we naturally reason that the expected result will occur. The more experience that the observer has had, and the keener his faculty of perception and his power of deductive reasoning, the wider will be the range of his power in the direction of predicting future results from present happenings and conditions. In this connection we must remember that the ordinary clairvoyant has easier access to a subconscious mentality than has the average person the subconscious mind perceives and notes many little things that the conscious mind overlooks and therefore has a better data from which to reason moreover as all students of the subconscious know These wonderful subconscious mental faculties have a very highly developed power of reasoning deductively from a given premise or fact. In fact, the subconscious faculties are almost perfect reasoning machines providing they are supplied with the correct data in the first place. Much of the so-called intuitive reasoning of persons arises from the operations of the subconscious mental faculties just mentioned. But you may say, this is very interesting, but it is not clairvoyance. Certainly, good student, but still, clairvoyance plays an important part, even in this elementary form of prevision and future seeing. You must remember that by clairvoyant vision, the real thoughts and feelings of a person may be perceived. But unless the attention of the clairvoyant is specially directed to this, the conscious mind does not note it, and the matter reaches the subconscious faculties without interference or conscious knowledge on the part of the clairvoyant. This being so, it will be seen that the subconscious mind of the clairvoyant is able to reason deductively in such cases, far beyond the power of even the subconscious mind of the ordinary person. It has fuller data and more complete material work to work upon. Of course, It has become a proverb of the human race that coming events cast their shadows before. And many persons frequently have little flashes of future time seeing without realizing that they are really exercising elementary clairvoyant powers. The combination of even a simple form of clairvoyance and an active subconscious mind will often produce very wonderful results although not, of course, the more complex phenomenon of full clairvoyance and prevision. Some persons have claimed that even this form of prevision implies something like fate or predestination, but this is not fully true, for we must remember that fact that in some cases it is possible to so act in accordance with the clairvoyant warning of this kind that the impending calamity may be escaped. But on the other hand, we must also remember that every event is the result of certain preceding events without which it could not have happened and which existing must happen unless some new element intervenes. There is such a thing as cause and effect. We must remember. And if we can reason clearly from one to the other with sufficient clearness, then we may actually prophesy certain things in advance, always making allowance for the intervention of the unexpected. And authority says on the phase of the question, there is no doubt whatever that just as what is happening now is a result of causes set in motion in the past. So what will happen in the future will be the result of causes already in operation. Even on this plane of life, we can calculate that if certain actions are performed, certain results will follow. But our reckoning is constantly liable to be disturbed by the interference of factors which we have not been able to take into account. But if we raise our consciousness to the higher planes, we can't see much further into the results of our actions. We can trace, for example, the effect of a casual word, not only upon the person to whom it was addressed, but through him on many others, as it is passed on in widening circles, until it seems to have affected the whole country. And one glimpse of such a vision is more efficient than any number of moral precepts in impressing upon us the necessity of of extreme circumspection in thought, word, and deed. Not only can we from that plane see thus fully the result of every action, but we can also see where and in what way the results of other actions apparently quite unconnected with it will interfere with and modify it. In fact, it may be said that the results of all causes at present in action are clearly visible that the future as it would be if no entirely new causes should arise lies open before our gaze. New causes, of course, do arise, but man's will is free. But in the case of all ordinary people, the use which they make of their freedom may be calculated beforehand with considerable accuracy. The average man has so little real will that he is very much the creature of circumstances. His action in previous lives places him amid certain surroundings and their influence on him is so very much the most important factor in his life story that his future course may be predicted with almost mathematical certainty. With the developed man, the case is different. For him also the main events of life are arranged by his past actions, but the way in which he will allow them to affect him, the methods by which he will deal with them and perhaps triumph over them, These are all his own, and they cannot be foreseen, even on the mental plane, except as probabilities. Looking down on man's life in this way from above, it seems as though his free will could be exercised only in certain crises in his career. He arrives at a point in his life where there are obviously two or three alternative courses open before him. He's absolutely free to choose which of them he pleases, and although someone who knew his nature thoroughly well might feel almost certain what his choice would be, such knowledge on his friend's part is in no sense a compelling force. But when he has chosen, he has to go through it with it and take the consequences. Having entered upon a particular path, he may, in many cases, be forced to go on for a very long time before he has any opportunity to turn aside his position is somewhat like that of a driver of a train when it comes to a junction he may have the points set either this way or that so he can pass on to whichever line he pleases but when he has passed on to one of them he's compelled to run along the line which he has selected until he reaches another set of points where again an opportunity of choice is offered to him but interesting and wonderful as this phase of future time clairvoyance undoubtedly is it pales before the fuller and more complete phases and in the latter we must look elsewhere for the explanation or approach to an explanation the explanation of this higher form of future time clairvoyance must be looked for in a new conception of the nature and meaning of time It is difficult to approach this question without becoming at once involved in technical metaphysical discussion. As an example of this difficulty, I invite you to consider the following from Sir Olivier Lodge. I'm sorry, Oliver. There's not a second eye there. Sorry. I invite you to consider the following from Sir Oliver Lodge in his address to the British Association at Cardiff several years ago. While what he says is very clear to the mind of a person trained along these lines of subtle thought, it will be almost like Greek to the average person. Sir Oliver Lodge said, A luminous and helpful idea is that time is but a relative mode of regarding things. We progress through phenomena at a certain definite pace, and the subjective advance we interpret in an objective manner as if events moved necessarily in this order and at this precise rate, but that may be only one mode of regarding them. The events may be in some sense of existence. Always. (laughs) I was hoping they get to this both past and future. And it may be we who are arriving at them, not they, which are happening The analogy of a traveler in a railway train is useful. If he could never leave the train nor alter its space, he would probably consider the landscapes as necessarily successive and be unable to conceive their coexistence. We perceive, therefore, a possible fourth dimensional aspect about time, the inexorableness of whose flow may be a natural part of our present limitations. And if we once grasp the idea that past and future may be actually existing, we can recognize that they may have a controlling influence on all present action and the two together may constitute the higher plane or totality of things after which, as it seems to me, we are impelled to seek in connection with the directing of form or determinism and the action of living being consciously directed to a definite and preconceived end. Yeah. Sir Oliver's illustration is somewhat akin to that of a person who sees a moving picture show for the first time and does not know how it's produced. To him, it looks as if the events of the picture story actually were developing and happening in time, whereas in reality, the whole picture is existing at one time. It's past, present, and future is already pictured and may be seen by one who knows the secret and how to look for the past or future scene. While to the ordinary observer, the scene progresses in sequence, the present being followed by something else, which, has, which is at the moment in the future and therefore unknowable. To the senses of the ordinary observer, only in the present is in existence. Only the present is in existence, while in fact the future is equally truly in existence at the same time, although not evident to the senses of the observer. Think over this a little and let the idea sink into your mind. It may help you understand something concerning the mystery of future time clairvoyance, prevision, or second sight. Time, as you know, is far more relative than we generally conceive it. It is a scientific fact that a person in the dream state may cover years of time in a dream that only occupies a few seconds of time. Persons have nodded and awakened immediately afterwards, as proved by others present in the room, and yet in that moment's time they have dreamed of long journeys to foreign lands, great campaigns of war, etc., moreover a loud sound, like a pistol shot, for instance, which has awakened a sleeping person, has also set into effect a dream state train of circumstances, constituting a long dream state story, which, after many events and happenings, terminated in the shot of a firing squad, and then the man awoke. Now, in this last-mentioned case, not only has the dreamer experienced events covering a long time, all in the space of a second of time, but also the very sound which terminated the dream also induced it from the very beginning. The last thing caused the first thing to appear and proceed in sequence to the last. Persons under the influence of chloroform... What? Ah... Hey, smell this. Does this smell like chloroform to you? (laughs) Sorry. Persons under the influence of chloroform or laughing gas (laughs) have similar experiences. Often the first sound heard at the moment of recovering consciousness seems to be the last thing in a long dream which preceded it. Though the long dream was really caused by the final sound now remember that here not only did past present and future exist at the same moment of time but also the future caused the past and the present to come into being (sighs) on the physical plane we have analogies illustrating this fact It is said that in every acorn rests, exists in miniature, the form of the future oak. And some go so far as to say that the oak is the ultimate cause of the acorn, that the idea of the oak caused the acorn to be at all. (laughs) In the same way, the idea of the man must be in the infant boy from the moment of birth and even in the moment of conception. But let us pass on to the bold conception conception of the most advanced metaphysicians. They still have a more dazzling exp- explanation. Let us listen to it. These occultists and metaphysicians who have thought long and deeply upon the ultimate facts and nature of the universe have dared to think that there must exist some absolute consciousness some absolute mind which must perceive the past present and future of the universe as one happening as simultaneously and actively present at one moment of absolute time the reason that just as man may see as one happening of a moment of his time some particular event which might appear as a year to some minute form of life and mind the microscopic creatures in a drop of water for instance so that which seems as a year or a hundred years to the mind of a man who may appear as the happening of a single moment of a higher scale of time to some exalted being or form of consciousness on a higher plane you remember that it is said a thousand years is but as a day to the Lord and the Hindu Vedas tell us that the creation, duration, and destruction of the universe is as but the time of the twinkling of an eye to Brahman. I shall now proceed further along this line. I've given you a very strong hint here. You must work it out for yourself if you feel so disposed. But there are certain consequences arising from this ultimate universal fact, which I must mention before passing on. The high occult teachings hold that there is a mind, I'm sorry, there is a plane of the higher astral world, which may be said to carry a reflection of the universal mind. You'll read that again. The high occult teachings hold that there is a plane of the higher astral world, which may be said to carry a reflection of the universal mind. Just as a lake contains reflection of the distant mountain, well then the clairvoyant vision at times is able to penetrate to the realm of that astral reflecting medium and see somewhat dimly what's pictured there, as the future may be discerned in this reflected picture by the clairvoyant mind, <clears throat> we see how future seeing prevision and second sight may be explained scientifically a writer has said on this plane in some manner which down here is totally inexplicable the past present and future are all there existing simultaneously one can only accept this fact for its cause lies in the faculty of that exalted plane and the way in which this higher faculty works is naturally quite incomprehensible to the physical brain. Yet now and then, one may meet with a hint that seems to bring us a trifle nearer to a dim possibility of comprehension. When the pupil's consciousness is fully developed upon this higher plane, therefore perfect prevision is possible to him. Though he may not, nay, he certainly will not, be able to bring the whole result of his sight through fully in order into his physical consciousness still a great deal of clear foresight is obviously within his power whenever he likes to exercise it and even when he is not exercising it frequent flashes of foreknowledge come through into his ordinary life so that he has often an instantaneous intuition as to how things will turn out. The same writer says, short of perfect prevision, we find that all degrees of this type of clairvoyance exist, from the occasional vague premonitions, which cannot in any true sense be called sight at all, up to frequent and fairly complete second sight. The faculty to which this latter somewhat misleading name has been given is an extremely interesting one and would well repay more careful and systematic study than has hitherto been given to it. It is best known to us as a not infrequent possession of the Scottish Highlanders, (laughs) though it is by no means confined to them. Occasional instances of it have appeared in almost every nation, but it has always been commonest among mountaineers and men of lonely life. With us in England, it is often spoken as if it were the exclusive appanage of the Celtic race. Again, (laughs) woohoo!
1: Raise my hand over here.
0: But in reality, it has appeared among similarly situated peoples the world over, of course. It is stated, for example, to be very common among the Westphalian peasantry. What? Is that people who drive around in westphalia They weren't invented yet. Westphalian peasantry? Do you guys even know what that means? Are they, like, talking about someone in another part of England? Like... Okay, I'm sorry. I just that's insane. Back to the book. <laughs> Sometimes the second sight consists of a picture clearly foreshowing some coming event. More frequently, perhaps the glimpse of the future is given in some symbolic appearance. It is noteworthy that the events foreseen are invariably unpleasant ones death being the commonest of all i do not recollect a single instance in which the second sight has shown anything which is not of the most gloomy nature it has a ghastly symbolism of its own a symbolism of shrouds and corpse candles and other funeral horrors (sighs) oh my god in some cases it appears to be a certain extent dependent upon locality for it is stated that inhabitants of the Isle of Skye who possess the faculty often lose it when they leave the island even though it be only to cross to the mainland the gift of such sight is sometimes hereditary in a family for generations but this is not an invariable rule for it often appears sporadically in one member of a family otherwise free from its lugubrious influence there may s- still be some people who deny the possibility of prevision but such denial simply shows their ignorance on the evidence of the subject or of the evidence on the subject The n- large number of authenticated cases leave no room for doubt as to the fact but many of them are of such a nature as to render a reasonable explanation by no means easy to find. It is evident that the ego possesses a certain amount of previsional faculty and if the events foreseen were always of great importance, one might suppose that an extraordinary stimulus had enabled him for that occasion only to make of the many cases in which death or grave disaster is foreseen but there are a large number of instances on record to which it does not seem to apply since the events foretold are frequently trivial and unimportant. In the following chapter, I shall present to your consideration some very remarkable cases of future time clairvoyance, prevision, and second sight. Some of these are historical cases and all are vouched for by the best authorities. I quote these cases not merely for their own interesting features, but also to give you an idea of how remarkable some of these instances are, and also to give you a clear conception of the way in which this form of clairvoyance tends to manifest itself. Before passing on to these interesting cases, however, I wish to remind you that in future time clairvoyance, as well as in past time, clairvoyance the phenomenon may be manifested in many ways and according to several methods that is to say in future time clairvoyance the vision may come in the state of meditation or reverie it may come along the lines of psychometry some associated object or person supplying the connecting link or again it may come as a result of crystal gazing etc this is as we might naturally expect for this form of clairvoyance is merely one special, particular phase of clairvoyance in general, and of course comes under the general laws and rules governing all clairvoyant phenomena. Future time clairvoyance, prevision, and second sight may, like any other form of clairvoyance, be developed and unfolded by means of the same rules and methods that I have already suggested to you in the preceding lessons. It is all a matter of attention, application, patience, exercise, and practice. I may say, however, that the strong desire and wish for the perception of future events held firmly in the mind during the practicing and exercising will tend to unfold and develop the clairvoyant faculties in this particular direction. Strong desire and earnest attention in the desired direction will do much to cultivate, develop, and unfold any psychic faculty. Just as meditation and reverie about past times and things tend to develop past time clairvoyance, so will meditation and reverie about future time and things tend to develop prevision and the seeing of future things. This indeed is a very first step towards the attainment of this form of clairvoyance the attention clears the psychic path over which the astral faculties travel. In the astral, as on the physical, the rule is, always look where you are going. Look ahead on the path over which you wish to travel. All right, guys, I'll be back next week with lesson 13 (laughs) only a couple days after Halloween so that's pretty cool and that lesson will be on second sight and pre-vision etc along with all of the examples from Swami Panchadasi well I wanted to remind you guys real quickly that I still need your ghost stories your spirit stories anytime you've seen something appear in your room and do you think it was someone who had died and they're stuck on this plane? Maybe they appeared to you uh, outside somewhere or in a hotel you are visiting or someone's house. I want to hear about your stories. Other people do too. We're going to have a, a very special metaphysical ghost speak episode. My son came to me this morning and said, Mom, I think we should watch Mystery Science Theater 3000. And eat candy and have a very special Halloween together and maybe do some magic. I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. I can't wait for Halloween. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. (laughs) It's a very special, magical time of year. And I think it's fun to have a little ghost to ghost AM style episode. (laughs) Even though, of course, George and will be doing his version of it, I want us to have our own version. And this is going to be metaphysical ghost speak. I'm going to tell you some of my ghost stories that happened to me and my children. And I'm going to be telling you some stories from Michelle. And if I can get her to do it, I'm going to have a whole episode from Cheryl talking about all of her ghost stories. I mean, every single day she has a ghost story now. (laughs) <laughs> coming her way so Cheryl from Nova Scotia the red headed witch who was born on the same day as I was <laughs> she's got some good stories I'm I'm hoping she's going to be with us this week she's been sick too I'm hoping she'll be over it soon so we can do this but anyway just want to remind you I want to hear your stories but uh, I'll be back tomorrow with all new original and unique programming just like always <laughs> You know, God willing, and the creeks don't rise. <laughs> Inshallah, as they say in the Arab world. I'm hoping that uh tomorrow's going to be a good one. I have no idea what it's going to be, but it's, I know it's going to be a good one. <laughs> but that's all I got to say about that for now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We're anchored into the fifth dimension. It's pretty awesome. This ascension has been amazing. We are still rising up, up, up in vibration, and we can still ascend. If you are good enough, you could ascend, you know, I mean, good enough in concentration and focus. You can still ascend into the seventh and higher. You don't have to wait for all of humanity to do together, right? We can do it separately, you know, if we want, or where we are now is pretty good. You know, we'll have contact with the aliens in a couple of years. I'm sure of it I mean like in every single city they're going to come and welcome us officially to the fifth dimension (laughs) when a greater majority of humans have awakened but um, well there it is I love you guys thank you for listening thank you for telling your Facebook groups about it I've seen a difference in the numbers lately and we just keep growing and growing and I'm glad let's spread the word thank you so much Like, subscribe, and write me anytime, metaphysicalsoulspeak at gmail.com. Well, that's all i can got to say about that for for real this time. (laughs) So I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension. Until next time, guys, peace. Do you ever wish you could look into the next chapter in your book of life and see what's coming next what does the universe have in store for you I can help you with that I will give you a Celtic cross reading which is ten cards or you can ask me three questions and I use three cards per question so that's nine cards, or I can channel your higher guidance, or maybe God directly for you. Maybe you want to talk to your dear departed Aunt Edna because maybe you have a few questions and she was the smartest person you knew. If your deceased relatives are available or your ascended masters I can channel them for you personally let me have one hour to show you the future in your next chapter of your book of life readings are $75 and it takes me an hour to an hour and a half to complete And for this price, you will also be hooked up to the healing grid around the planet for free, which means yours truly, me, I will be giving you Reiki 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of your life. All you have to do is let me know, metaphysicalsoulspeak at gmail.com, and we will explore your future together.